Hey everybody, welcome to 2ZQ Hot Takes, where we discuss issues both big and small. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and today I'll be talking about passion. The term passion has many connotations. Some are deeply spiritual, while other connotations can also be perceived as quite volatile and altogether different while referring to something as an abiding passion. When people say they have an abiding passion, it means they have an unending, time-enduring passion, like an avocation or sentiment towards someone or something. Something abiding sticks around, lasting a long time. Abiding is usually used with feelings and memories. Abiding comes from the old English abidan, jebidan, meaning remain, wait, delay, remain behind. It's a word that's typically used to describe a feeling or memory that remains behind or lingers in your mind. Synonyms for abiding are enduring, imperishable, lasting, permanent. As a hobby, yes, sure. But raw passion? Hmm. As a work style, we all hope that you care unceasingly about what you do. But do you want the connotation of passion to take more prominence than a reasonable disposition? I don't know if you can say it is a double-edged sword between passion and reason. One is not the other side of the same thing. To me, anyway. I believe that the vanity of a number of successful people includes the usage of the term passion as a descriptor in a distinct context, but the application has been confidentially described to me as unflattering when it comes down to interpersonal relationships, especially in the workplace. Leaders can have passion and quite often have that passion indulged. It is part of what makes them leaders. As I have informally been made aware of or have learned, when you are told that you have passion in the workplace, it is often code for you are too emotional, as in rank-and-file resources or loose cannons who must be disciplined or removed. We tend to think of passionate people as having torrid relationships and hot tempers. Just Google passion and the first dictionary entry says passion. Strong and barely controllable emotion, in parentheses, a man of impetuous passion. I have had, in my experience, colleagues who have been superficially described as passionate, and those same colleagues have also been of great concern to their workplace managers because of their emotional states, which have been defined by their passion and not reasonable accommodation for others or mission focus or even their own reputation. I have had to, as they say, sit on the panic button during the course of some of these colleagues' tenures and their eventual termination due to fear of retaliation, whether the concern was physical confrontation or sabotage of proprietary assets or even fomenting distrust. Passion this and passion that and passion everything in between. Eh, just get to work and get things done. Now, this is from Parker Associates. So, I tend to think that people who display a number of the following attributes in meetings are somewhat unhinged, although Parker Associates claims these are 10 ways to display passion. Some of the items are indeed part of the conventional wisdom, but intertwining the aspects is a bit of a stretch to me. Here they are, and I'm excerpting. 
One, prepare mentally and physically. You want to be well-rested and in good shape so that you are energetic and enthusiastic about your topic. Yeah, that goes without saying. Nobody is ever interested in a lackluster performance, but let's not go crazy. Keep it in perspective. How this is interpreted makes a difference. Two, use stories to engage your feelings. Tell stories that inspire you and the people you are talking to. Use the stories to illustrate a point or make something abstract more concrete. The stories could be about accomplishments that you are proud of or memorable events in your life. In talking about yourself, you will recapture your own passionate feeling and communicate the feeling to the listeners. I do know good leaders who tell stories, and those stories are part of their overall persona. However, I tend to think that many people who have or may read this list might or may unintentionally misinterpret this suggestion as a means of pointless digression. You get into the uh, too much information territory. I don't really need the pedantic details of your life. Three, move to display physical energy. Use gestures when you talk. If appropriate, move while you speak. Well, I can't altogether disagree. Whatever you do, don't gesticulate wildly, but don't be a stiff. I have worked with Ivy League educators, and they insist that when learning to present, that you also learn how to move with purpose, and your posture does indeed make an important difference. Number four, connect with what you love. Passion comes from within you. Practice accessing it by learning what triggers it for you and then using it appropriately. Sounds so easy, doesn't it? This one, number five, have gleaming eyes. Hard to fake this one, but here are some suggestions. Put eye drops in your eyes just before the meeting. Avoid anything that would make your eyes red, such as allergies or lack of sleep. This is just weird to me. You might come across as crazed. Temper this one. Six, maintain eye contact with person or audience. Stay aware of the passion within. The glow of passion does come from inside. Yes, do maintain eye contact, but don't freak people out. It's also really, really weird when you don't make eye contact, as in, this guy is weirding me out. He doesn't make eye contact. Seven, smile as you speak. Look for joy in whatever you are doing or talking about. Then show the pleasure and happiness you feel by smiling. Sometimes initiating the smile brings the joy with it. Again, keep this in context. Smiling about things that are, let's say, arbitrary seems strange. And you seem weird. Number eight, find a topic that intrigues you. Get absorbed in what you were speaking about so that delivering your message really consumes you. That demonstrates your passion to the listeners. Again, this might not be the most reasonable path to a lot of readers. Again, perspective should play a big role here. Also, appropriate context. Number nine, use variety in pace and an overall upbeat tempo. Keep your speech pace upbeat, speaking slower for emphasis and then faster with energy and excitement. Eh, sure. Keep the volume of your voice up. You want everyone to hear you. This also helps you realize the importance of what you were saying. Pretty sure quiet moments when appropriate are good. In my experience, if you have something worth listening to, people listen. Ten. 
Vary the pitch of your voice. It is important to avoid being a monotone. Passionate people are excited, and so their voice naturally goes up and down. Aren't monotonous people funny? So I take that advice with a grain of salt. Now from Inc.com, from someone named Jessica Stillman, the kind of passion you should follow and the kind you shouldn't. There are two kinds of passion, according to psychologists. One is healthy and one really isn't. It's one of the oldest and most heated debates around career advice. Follow your passion, screams one team of counselors. That's ridiculous, responds another. Only do that if you want to be broken miserable. So who's right? Is following your passion a necessary ingredient for engagement and eventual success? Or is putting your passion center stage in your life only a recipe for unhappiness and possible financial ruin? Perhaps neither viewpoint is right. That's the fascinating takeaway from a recent Big Think video featuring University of Pennsylvania psychologist Scott Barry Kaufman. In it, Kaufman explains that not all passions are the same. Some are healthy and some are really not. And how much weight you should give your passion in your life very much depend on which type you have. What's the good type of passion? Psychologists call it harmonious passion. And its most distinctive feature is that doing that activity, whatever it is, makes you feel good. You're passionate about whatever you're passionate about for the inherent pleasure it gives you, and you don't feel conflicted at all about what you're doing. The activity that you're engaged in is really healthfully integrated into your identity, says Kaufman of Harmonious Passion. Every time you engage in that activity, it's something that makes you feel really good about yourself. So you're saying, oh, wow. This is really congruent with the rest of my value system. That's a bit vague for me. Obsessive passion is the less healthy alternative. When you have an obsessive passion, it's about achievement, about proving something to someone, not pleasure in the moment. Could also be other stuff, not just achievement-oriented. The obsessively passionate person is thinking, I'm engaging in this because I want to feel good about myself or I'm engaging in this because I want to please my grandmom, or I'm engaging in this because I want to win, 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 says Kaufman. Maybe. So, should you follow your passion? If you suspect your passion is obsessive, the answer is pretty clearly no. As Kaufman explained on HBR, Those with obsessive passion display higher levels of negative effect over time and display more maladaptive behaviors. They report higher levels of negative effect during and after activity engagement. They can hardly ever stop thinking about their work, and they get quite frustrated when they are prevented from working. In short, obsessive passion makes you a miserable workaholic. Plus, those with obsessive passion are at much higher risk of experience burnout, Kaufman says in the same article. Interrogate obsessive passion. Don't follow it. But harmonious passion is a whole different story. If whatever you do brings you intrinsic satisfaction, of course you should do it. Maybe as a career. Maybe as a hobby. But certainly fit it into your life somewhere. Not only will doing whatever it is give you pleasure but practice will probably also make you better at whatever you love, and being better will make you more passionate about it. In the best cases, effort and passion is this continuous cycle, claims Kaufman. Be honest. 
Is your passion for your work harmonious or obsessive? Harmonious or obsessive? Slim pickings there. From just one psychologist from the University of Pennsylvania. Not a particular consensus. And the definitions are not exactly universal truth to a lot of people. I'm not quite sold. Passion is a powerful force. So is rational thinking. The trick is to learn how to balance. And that is not an easy thing to do. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And as the kitties say, peace out. Thank you.